eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. If, 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 if your blood runs orange and blue, orange and blue. blue. This, this is, pod, is the pod you. for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. They called me a madman. It's EJ Stewart. It's Tommy Beer. Welcome to Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast, Odyssey, WFN original. We got so much to get to on this episode. We will be talking about the latest in what apparently is becoming the Chris Paul sweepstakes and the New York Knicks, because one of the top NBA insiders says that the Knicks are among the contenders who would be interested in Chris Paul's services and could land Chris Paul if he were to become a free agent this summer. So big news coming up uh, at the end of last week that we will talk about at the top of this show. We'll also talk about a former Nick who some fans have wondered maybe should make a return to the Knicks, and it sounds like that may be unlikely. Uh, Chris Dakborzingis, a player that is uh, very polarizing for a lot of reasons regarding uh, regarding Knicks world here. And he also can become a free agent. And there were some wondering if he would fit here. One in, uh, one in Another NBA insider saying that that reunion in New York would be unlikely for uh, some important reasons. So we'll talk about that as well. And we'll introduce a new segment to the show. It is the offseason. I know we talked a lot about players who aren't on the Knicks. And we'll talk more about players who aren't on the Knicks today. But I want to make sure we talk about the Knicks themselves and not just Knicks in the past. We do our this uh, this uh, this week in Knicks history as well. So we're going to introduce a new segment called Keeping Up with the Summer Knicks. Just like keeping up with the Kardashians, we want to keep up with the players, see what they've been doing. And we'll give you guys an update on just what they have been doing over the past week or so. So plenty to get to on this episode, Tommy. Tommy Beer joins me as always. Tommy, how you feeling? What's up? Feeling good. Feeling good. Uh, a little uh uh, chilling weekend back at it Monday plenty of Knicks to discuss as always even in uh, the midst of June got a NBA finals potential closeout game yep. uh, what do you think EJ uh, does the NBA does the 2023 2022-2023 NBA season end this evening we're recording on Monday yes we record this on Monday uh yeah I think it does and I know I had the heat and six I had the, I had the nuggets and six, nuggets and six. But watching how this series has gone, it just feels like the Nuggets are really starting to impose their will. And I don't really see an answer for Miami. I think we saw a little bit in that first half in game four when Kyle Lowry really had a big first half. And I said, okay, if, the, if Miami can find a consistent third score, 
then maybe they could win this game and make this interesting. And they, they couldn't sustain that in the second half. Uh, the Denver Nuggets just have too many weapons and their offense is, is, is too difficult to, to stop. I mean, the, the he tried to mix up their defense by trapping Jamal Murray more and they just carved them up. I think they were like 11 for 12 on plays in which they blitzed Jamal Murray in terms of uh, the Nuggets offense. They hit like five threes during those plays. I mean, you can't if you can't blitz Jamal Murray on screens, then I don't know how you're going to guard this team. So they're, they're going to be in a lot of trouble. Um, it feels like a coronation is going to happen on Monday night. So, yes, I, I'm saying that this series uh, wraps up. I think the Nuggets win. Heat are never going to go down easy, so I think it will be a competitive game. But they just don't have enough. This is a, this is the first series where they really need Tyler Hero. Like, this is the series to me where it's, it's really become more evident. Speaking of which, uh, Heat list him as questionable, upgraded him mm-hmm. to questionable about 15, 20 minutes before we hopped on. Woj reporting that he's going to give it a shot um, and yeah. suit up and see how he plays. Um, if he's available, uh, does that change your opinion in, in, in any way? No, because this is like – I think throwing a guy in who hasn't played in months at this point, like they, if they were going to play him, they should have I – I don't know what his health situation was. But if he was able to play, they should have played him in game three. They should have started to get him ramped up at that point in the series. I think to not throw him in as a last-ditch – effort last ditch resort it almost reminds me of when jameer nelson got thrown into the nba finals i think what was that 20 2009 i think against the against the uh against the lakers and he had been a guy who hadn't played in months and they threw him out there to start in the nba finals and he didn't play well and the team didn't have the right chemistry and it was too late at that point in in the, in the season if you were going to play him you had to play him sometime earlier in the playoffs so and on a much lesser role so to throw in hero now and say go out there and give me your 20 points you only give me. I, I just don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, obviously a very tall uh, hill for the, the heat to climb to even get back in the series um, and, and win this evening. Um, you mentioned Jamal Murray, obviously a lot of talk about Joker and Jokic, um, which rightfully so. Um, and, and he deserves to be praised and credited even from those that, that uh, attempted to discredit his contributions as a oh, stat pair. Yeah. And an analytics darling um, over the past few months, um, he has showed that uh, he's not only arguably the best player in sport uh, at the moment, uh, certainly one of the best players in sport, and is making a case that he's at the start of an all-time great NBA career. Um, you also noted Jamal Murray. Um, I think it's important to 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 highlight just how well he's played because this hasn't been a one-man show. Um, although Joker leads all the postseason in points, rebounds, and assists, which is mind-boggling. Um, but yeah. Jamal Murray has been great all postseason. Has been fantastic this. Uh, this particular series, um, athlete, incredible shape, um, and much like yes. IQ, uh, and, and much like Joker, uh, incredible basketball IQ. You mentioned when they blitz them. They, they, I mean, these 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 guys, Joker and Murray, those two guys as as the focal points of your offense are such great decision makers. Whether it's yes. fine finding Aaron Gordon under the rim for easy dunks and getting, you know, uh, putting him in matchups to, you know, positions to succeed. Um, it really is incredible. And, and one other note on the finals, um, I, I saw somebody wrote today, you know, what, what the Heat need to do to come back from, from three, one, and would it be one of the greatest uh, come I think worth mentioning just because I thought of it uh, earlier this morning, how incredible that LeBron James and, and 2016 led a 3-1 deficit to come back against yeah. a 72 win Warriors team, 73 win Warriors team is, is, is really uh, jaw-dropping. And when you think about how, how difficult it would be to think the Warriors could find a way to come back and win the series, think about LeBron James coming back against Steph and Clay and Draymond at their at the peak of their powers. Yeah. Really, uh, 
an incredible run there. Yeah, you're right. That's the way I think about it. It's like think about you know how tough things look for the Heat right now, <laughs> and think that okay, that's where the, that's where the Cavs were, and then they were playing against a team yeah. that won 73 games. Now Draymond helped yeah. them by uh, eliminating yeah. himself in one of the games, but yeah. nonetheless, uh, a feat that's only been done once, and you know why? Because when you get to that yeah. level, you're playing a team that good. Rare you'll see a team just uh, you know not be able to close out there. So tall order for the Heat. It doesn't look good for them, but, you know, they do have that heat culture and all that stuff. So let's see if they're able to make something happen here in these last three games. But once again, this is Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast, Odyssey, WFN original. Uh, you can get this wherever you get your podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. Make sure you hit the auto download feature on your streaming service. Get these episodes every time we drop. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube as well. You can find us on the WFN channel and the Odyssey Sports channel. So let's begin with. The Chris Paul watch. And I think it's fair to call it the Chris Paul watch because of what we heard from Adrian Wojnarowski. So speaking on NBA countdown on Friday, Adrian Wojnarowski, ESPN insider, lists the Knicks as one of the teams who would be a contender to land Chris Paul if he hits free agency. Here's what Woj had to say. There are teams that would like to see if they could stack up enough contracts to take on his $30 million for this season uh, and keep them perhaps even flip them at the trade deadline. There are other teams who would trade for them and, and treat it like uh, a salary cap savings. They would uh, uh, not guarantee his contract before that June 28th deadline. And then he would become a free agent. And Greeny, if Chris Paul is out there as a free agent uh, this summer, look at the two teams in L.A., the Clippers and Lakers, the Knicks in New York, uh, the Golden State Warriors. Those would all be potential destinations for Chris Paul, who would then sign a deal at a much lower number than the $30 million he's guaranteed uh, in Phoenix if he stays there past that June 28th deadline. So there you have it. Knicks, along with the Lakers, Clippers, and Warriors as one of the teams that would be a team to watch if Chris Paul indeed becomes a free agent. Now, the Suns are reportedly considering releasing Chris Paul by Chris Haynes' report. They've already decided to release Chris Paul. Again, still confusion as to what exactly is going on in Phoenix with that. Um, but they're considering releasing him before the June 28th deadline. That's when his $30 million salary for next season becomes fully guaranteed. The Suns could save up to $27 million this season by cutting and stretching the rest of his contract over five years. It could save $15 million by just cutting him just this season and just paying the rest of the $15 million. So we talked about this last week. We talked about the how this could work, and, and I made the case that I could see why the Knicks would want to do this, and I, I didn't understand it. Are you surprised at this point to not hear Woj suggesting that the Knicks are a contender in D for Chris Paul, and do you buy it? I'm not shocked because, again, we, as we noted on the on the previous podcast, there's a very strong relationship between Chris Paul and, and Leon Rose um, yeah. and obviously CAA. Um, so even if the Knicks weren't overly enthused about it or seriously considering it, just knowing that they're in the mix, that they're competing, you know, you know helps drive up the price a little bit, generate the buzz. And, you know, not that Chris Paul needs it. If Chris Paul becomes a free agent, you know, plenty of teams in the NBA um, are going to be, uh, you know, searching for his services. Um, but I, I will say, I I, I think there's a, a greater likely, I, I thought there was very little likelihood last week. I think there's a little greater likelihood now um, seeing the reports that he's willing to consider 
um, uh, the taxpayers mid-level exception from yep. teams like the Lakers or the or the Clippers or the, the Warriors, whoever that case might be. Um, you know, if he's not going to accept a big deal, because there are teams that would pay him, you know, 20 million a year, you know, for a couple seasons, maybe he's not going to get a hundred million dollar contract. But if he's willing right. to accept one of those, the, that one of the, a mid-level exception for a year and kind of go year by year basis, et cetera, um, which is not outside the realm of possibility. Remember, this is a guy who's banked over $350 million in salary. Um, yeah. He's been in the league for a long time now, 18-year uh, career. Um, that's not counting the I, state you know, farm. You know he's, I was say, you know the state farm money he's got because we see him every 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 time out in the NBA Finals. Exactly, and that's just the money. Wearing, just those, wearing those baggy shorts and Jalen Rose shotting them out saying, I love those shorts. <laughs> Those are those are that's just the money Chris Paul has made in the NBA, not the money Cliff Paul has brought in. You know, via, via, <laughs> exactly. Via, via State Farm. So, um, yes. So, listen, if he's willing to accept the, the you know, a, a reduced salary at, at this stage of his career, which isn't crazy, um, then I think the Knicks are in the mix. So I th- do I think they're a favorite? Probably not. Um, again. I would assume he'd prefer an opportunity to start at point guard for the Lakers alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis and, and et cetera. I would assume he'd prefer an opportunity to start for the Clippers uh, if, if, Kawhi, if he feels Kawhi is healthy and Paul George, et cetera. Um, you know, we'll see how he kind of feels about the Warriors. Of those opportunities, I would, I would again, I'm just me assuming that right. coming off the bench behind Jalen Brunson wouldn't be at the top of his wish list. But again, there are other factors that go in there. Maybe he's always wanted to play in New York. Maybe his family wants to spend a, a year in, in Manhattan. Um, playing, uh, you know, being a backup is far less wear and tear on his body. Um, not only does that benefit the Knicks because him and Brunson could they could each reduce each other's workloads, um, but maybe that's something that he appeals. Maybe he wants to play four more seasons, and he feels like right. the best way to do that is to is to start playing, you know, eighteen minutes, twenty minutes a night off the bench. If if Brunson goes down for two weeks, can he play thirty seven minutes a night? Of course he can, um, and he could average ten assists per game during that stretch. Um, you know, can they? Does he feel that those that they he can play alongside Brunson for the the final five minutes of a game? Um, a lot of interesting aspects there, um, but I will say. Say, um, and part of it's you, you, you're um, kind of uh, convincing me a little bit last week that I think there's a, a bit of a, a glimmer of hope um, that, uh, that that it could make sense for for, for both yeah. parties, and that they at least explore the opportunity. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I tell you what, when I saw this, because I, I I made the case and I saw that I thought it could be a possibility given people understand kind of where the roles would lie. I wasn't sure if I'd be convinced that either side would come to that agreement at this point. To hear Woj list the Knicks as one of these four teams, along with the Warriors, Clippers, and Lakers, 
makes me feel like Chris Paul is going to be a Nick, which sounds crazy to me because I never would have thought that even four days ago. But look at these teams, the Clippers and Lakers, two very old two teams with a lot of guys who are also injury prone and teams where he will be going there to be a savior, much like he was going to be a savior with the Rockets, just like he was going to be a savior with the Clippers the first time, just like he was going to be a savior with the Suns. And I'm like, is he really – and now he Chris Paul is a great player, but does he really want to put that on himself? I don't know. And then I look at the – the Warriors thing doesn't make any sense to me, really. I mean, you want to talk about playing behind a point guard. You know about Jalen Brunson, me playing my Steph Curry. I mean, I don't know how much time he's getting at all in, in playing against a guy who's going to play as many minutes as Steph because there really isn't much of a justification to take Steph Curry out of the game if you have Chris Paul uh, on your I, bench. I so. guess would be would play Steph off the ball and and have and you know and then play Clay at three. I, I don't know, but you're right. Yeah, it's it's, it's, a, it's a very weird fit to me. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I, I don't I don't really see that now. And, and then there's also I don't know how much animosity there is, but I think of all the players the Warriors have faced over the last however many years. I don't think that Chris Paul is on the top of their, you know, Christmas card list. Let's just say that. So I look at the Knicks and I see these relationships that are here with Leon. I see these relationships with uh, Worldwide West. I think this is the first, this may be the first instance, or at least the first, like, high-profile instance where, like, those relationships may get the Knicks across the finish line. Because uh, besides LeBron James, he doesn't have a relationship with any of these other teams or people at all. Um, he, he's a Nils Clipper organization, but they traded him. So I don't know how much that he would love to then go back to play with those guys who got rid of him kind of unceremoniously. So I, I think the Knicks have a really good shot to, to get him here. I'm torn about whether or not it looks just like I was torn last week. I'm torn this whether or not it's the right move. I see the positives again. I think he could play that Jason Kidd role. I think he'd be instrumental to not just helping uh, a lot of these other guys in terms of getting these guys shots like Mitchell Robinson, Nobi Toppin and unlocking some of these guys on the Knicks. I think he'd be instrumental for these guards. I think he could help Jalen Brunson's game. I think he could help Emmanuel Quickly's game. Chris Paul is like a point guard whisperer. Every point guard he plays with plays the best they've ever played in their career. This goes back to, like, Darren Collison in New Orleans. You know, uh, we saw it with Campaign. We saw it with Darren Collison. We've seen it with uh, Eric Bledsoe. We've seen it with so many guards, young guys, who go and play with Chris Paul and, I don't know if it's how he's teaching them or they just watching him, them just watching him play. They all get better. I think Camp- see that. Campaign was out of the NBA. Right. He, was a, he was a bust. This guy was a lottery pick. He, yep. I mean, people forget how, like, I know he went to, he was kind of the first Murray State kind of guard that people were kind of were, were into before John Morant. And he was a bust, a complete bust and a lottery pick. And he, he gets with Chris Paul and all of a sudden he's helping the Suns go all the way to the NBA Finals. So I think the Knicks see the value in that. I think Chris Paul would see the value in that. I think he could say, look, I get there. I get to, you know, get in the air of Emmanuel quickly, get in the air of Jalen Brunson. All of a sudden, Mitchell Robinson may not be barking so much about not getting the ball if I'm there because I'm a, a pass first guard, unlike the guys the Knicks have right now. The fit is there. The question is the money. But once I saw Wode say he's willing to take way less than the 30 million. That was the kind of the, that was the sign out there to these people who think, Oh, we're going to pay him 25 million, 20 million. If he's taking the mid-level exception. I think the Knicks have a really good shot here. Now, again, can he say healthy? I have no confidence that he can say healthy. <laughs> um, because I think the problem with Chris Paul is, I think 
because the Suns tried to keep him healthy this year. I think the problem is his body is so old that like the intensity of playoff basketball is different than like regular season basketball. So like if you're not playing with that kind of ferocity for long enough stretches in the season, I think trying to then turn it on in the playoffs gets you hurt. That's why I think he got hurt this year. So the Knicks will have to find some other way to get him healthy beyond just resting him. They gotta they gotta have to find something else. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's less minutes. I don't know. But but that would be the major concern because if he's not available for the playoffs, then what good is this? But if he's talking about just taking a mid-level exception, I don't know what really the harm is in terms of a risk factor. I don't think there is. That's that's what I if I'm if we're being serious about this, and I understand that they're clunky fit and and how would it? But the reality is the Knicks don't have other than trading in terms of of, of free agents in terms of salary. The ways to improve their team, not via trade, strictly via free agency this summer. Um, they have the 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 uh, the mid level exception, right around 12, yeah. 12 and a half million, and the four point five biannual exception to use. Yeah. Um, the other, so the players they'd be considering, you know, Tory Craig, uh, uh, you know, like the uh, uh, D- Dante Divincenzo. Dante Divincenzo, yeah, as you mentioned, but he probably might be priced out of that price range. Right. Um, you know, Alex Burks is somebody that they could bring back. If the, yeah. but the now it sounds like the Pistons are going to exercise this option. I say that to say it's not as though they're passing up other great players. Right. In other words, exactly. the, the opportunity cost is limited. So if you can get a player like Chris Paul at that at a fraction of, of your total salary cap, um, I think it greatly improves your team. Again, as Woj mentioned, maybe at, keep him for half a season and trade him to another team. Um, you know, maybe he does Leon Rose a favor um, and, and, and it takes, a, you know, a half a season playing limited action and then gets traded to another team at the deadline that needs a starting point guard, something along those lines. It's feasible. Again, a lot of moving parts here. We still don't know if the, if the, if the Suns are going to waive them, even if they waive them, uh, right. another team can claim them for a year, as Wolf talked about, and then keep them and keep them as a trade chip at his, at his current salary. So uh, even before we get to the point where it becomes a free agent, when um, there's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's somewhat unlikely that even gets that stage. Um, but I agree with you. Um, the, the arrow was slowly creeping towards, uh, uh the Knicks being, uh, towards us seriously considering whether this is a uh, feasible, um, whether it's possible. And then, then at that point, whether it's beneficial, but yeah, my, my point being that, uh, yeah. it's hard to argue against it vociferously because right. it costs so little. Yeah. That's the thing. Cause the whole, uh, the, the, the big issue I would have had, and that's why I brought the Jason Kidd example, would have been trading assets away. I mean, there was that report that the Suns love Emmanuel quickly. I'm like, <laughs> that talks to and right there. I, I, there's no conversation regarding trading Emmanuel quickly for Chris Paul. But Jason Kidd signed for, at that time, was the veteran's minimum, I believe, to, to come to the Knicks at that point. And that's why they just added him to the team. They already had a point guard in Raymond Felton. Again, it was a very similar situation, and it worked out great. He just didn't play well in the playoffs. Right, right. So, and, and to me, also the reason why I, I really, again, the more I think about it, the more I see basketball-wise I see a fit, is the Knicks, I thought in this postseason, were lacking some veteran leadership. Like, I felt like when, it, like, they, they, they beat up the Cavs in a team where both teams didn't have really veteran yep. leadership. Yep. But, like, when they got to the Heat, it felt like there was some veteran savvy that was needed to close some of these games. Game one, I think about game six. Those are the two games I think about where I'm like, or even and even game four, I think two, you could say. Uh, three games, the Knicks could have won, and that shifts the entire series where you're like, oh, just uh, a veteran out there who knows, okay, don't get that charge or make that rotation or he can get that steal or doesn't make that turnover. Like they had a guy like that, like that series just flips 
could flip one way or the other. And they were missing that guy. I didn't know if the Knicks would have an option to get a guy like that. It just, it didn't seem like that was possible. But like thinking about Chris Paul and how he would be playing in those games against the Miami Heat, like I could see him making those kind of plays. Like I see him being the difference in those games. So I, I saw that this, during those playoff games. I'm like, man, I really wish they had a guy. I don't know who that would be. Like, again, watching Kyle Lowry just like charge his way into <laughs> like the Knicks, you know, screwing up these final games or making these deflections on RJ Barrett drives. And I'm just like, man, like Knicks don't have anybody like that. So seeing that and then seeing, yeah, I know Chris Paul, he's a, one of the smartest basketball minds playing right now. I know he watched that series and said, I could have been a difference there. So, again, you know, how much would be a difference on the Clippers? I mean, he's got to be like Chris Paul. Like, he's got to be Clippers Chris Paul in order to be a difference on the Clippers to me. Like, like they're a team that that needs, like, a true point guard. That's why Russell Westbrook was so valuable to them. Because even though he's the diminished player, he was able to play 35 minutes, 40 minutes. And, like, he's almost like a pitcher who, like, was given the innings. Like, it wasn't the most perfect inning. Sometimes they were terrible games sort of shooting he was playing, but he was playing 40 minutes and playing pretty hard and making plays, so it helped. Can Chris Paul give them that? Like, I don't think he's giving them that. Um, Again, the Lakers, they're going to need him to be Clippers, Rockets, Chris Paul. Can he give them that? I don't think he can give them that. So I, I see the fit. We'll see how it goes. But I, I thought that was the first instance where I thought, okay, Chris Paul, he really might be a Nick. And – that would be it. Will be make for a lot of great talk because I know a lot of people when they heard that he was going to be a free agent, kind of dismissed the notion of Chris Paul being a Nick. I think that you cannot dismiss it at this point in time. So, a story we will continue to follow all off season as long as it lasts. Uh, this whole Chris Paul sweepstakes, if it indeed starts, like Tommy said, because they still have to actually release yeah. him. And then the Suns were reportedly a team that may want to bring him back. So I don't. We don't. We, this has become a very bizarre scenario already, and it's only going to get more crazier, I think, as the summer continues. But let's get to another potential free agent who Knicks fans have had their eye on. Um, and he's an unlikely name, Chris Porzingis. Uh, he has a chance to opt out of this contract to become an unrestricted free agent this season. And despite how things ended in New York, some have wondered if he would fit well with the Knicks today. But SNY uh, NBA insider Ian Bagley says the chances – for a KP reunion in New, York, in New York seem unlikely. Bagley writes today, the prospect of bringing Porzingis back to New York on a long-term deal may look good on paper, but it would be a significant commitment for the Knicks, and it doesn't seem like a path they'd go down at this time. Porzingis played 65 games this season for the Wizards. That was the most he had played since his second year with the Knicks, all the way back in, I believe, 2018. Uh, he, he posted a career-high in field goal percentage and points per game this year with the Wizards. So, Tommy, you got Ian Bagley there putting it out there that the fit looks good on paper, at least, but that the Knicks may not be willing to make the significant long-term commitment that it would to bring him here. So I'll ask you, is it, are the Knicks wrong to pass up on a KP reunion? Yeah, so the, the, a couple questions here. Uh, first and foremost, um, the only way the Knicks can obtain him is 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 via a sign and trade. Sign and trade, um, yeah, yeah. So so he'd have to opt out or sign it, sign an extension with this with this team, and or opt out and then sign and trade. Or um, they can, I guess he could technically opt in and then 
and the Knicks could trade for him then. Uh, sure, yes, that that's true. He could opt into the final season, correct? Um, and then you, my he also he won an extension after that. But yeah. Correct, and my assumption is the Knicks wouldn't give up assets if they didn't have an extension. You know, in other words, they they wouldn't right. trade him for a one year right. rental um, unless they felt like they were dumping a contract, um, which the Wizards wouldn't wouldn't accept. So so. I don't think I would include RJ or Randall in a deal. So then you're asking yourself, would you do a Mitchell package? You know, Mitchell and somebody, Mitchell and Fournier, Mitchell and a draft pick, something along those lines. Um, kind of a, a Mitchell Robinson-centric package for Chris Stapps Brzingis. If you're willing to entertain that, then the question you ask yourself is, okay, am I willing to pay Chris Stapps Brzingis 25 30 $35 million a season. And then what's KP's go, what, what is KP going to require it via an extension? So he has an option for 38.8 is his, is his, is his player. Uh, I'm sorry. 33.8 is his player option this season. Um, if he declines it, it's unlikely that he'd get, you know, I, the max he can get is basically four years, 180 million, um, mm-hmm. which is, which is the, the Wizards would be crazy to pay. I don't think anyone assumes that. Um, I don't even think Porzingis is going to request the max. Um, yeah. But, you know, should is is four years at uh, averaging 35 million um, annual salary. Is that something that, uh, that, that, that KP would settle for? Is that something that the Knicks would be comfortable paying? So those are all the questions that, that kind of pay it. Um, I have hesitancy. I, I I think that there. It's very interesting. That I think KP would be very interested in returning to New York. I think. I think we, so too. We discussed it on the pod. I don't know if it was December or, or or January or February, sometime in the winter. He's speaking with Knicks reporters. He basically said, "I didn't handle it well." Um, yeah. Kind of apologized for the way the way that it was all handled. I think. He but it's so funny because it's like how many how many of those same Nick beat writers talked about how it was all the Knicks' fault and how they yes. handled things, and KP was was perfectly fine. He did nothing wrong, and then he's telling those same writers, "Hey, I didn't handle that well. I'm sorry." Exactly. Exactly. And, and everyone was convinced that KP was the next uh, Kareem and Kareem. Nick, yeah. It, it combined. Um, that said, obviously, you know, let bygones be bygones. You're not going to cut up your nose to spite your face. I, there's a new regime in place. Um, uh, again, if he was a free agent, so that, that's kind of where you start. If he's a free agent, would you sign him for, let's say he wants 35 million a year? I'd be hesitant. If he wanted to settle for 27 to 29, I'm interested. I definitely want to hear from him. Um, but if he's asking for even 33 and I got to give up Mitchell Robinson and a draft pick for the right to pay an injury prone big man that much yeah. money, um, I'm not saying I'm going to, I'm not going to dismiss it outright. Um, I think there's a place if he's, you know, again, he needs to play the five, which is something he wasn't willing to do during his first in New York, which rubbed the front office the wrong way and led to some of the friction. Um, But it seems like he's been content. He understands that he has to play the center now, not nearly the defender he once was when he, when he came up and could stay in front of guys on the perimeter. Um, Obviously the biggest concern with committing, significant 100 plus million dollars to that player is whether he's going to be healthy or not um i think you only you almost have to assume he's going to miss 20 plus games a season is he going to be healthy in time for the playoffs those are all questions to be asked um again i think he at the right for the right price um in the right trade package i definitely would consider it um because he'd be foolish not to he's a guy that you know is capable of putting up 2010 and, and three threes and, and two blocks um every single time so um I just think it would just be worth the squeeze. I would I would be hesitant to to, to kind of go that route. Yeah, this is a, this is another tricky one to me because so much of it I think lies in a how much are you paying him, 
because I think there's a great chance that he would be the highest paid Nick if the Knicks somehow yes. pulled the deal for him. Given yes. the deal Brunson has, given the deal Randall has, you're talking about the annual money they make, R.J. Barrett, the deal he just signed. Uh, there's a great chance that he could demand more and could get more on the open market. So I think he should be the, the highest paid player on the Knicks, given he would be the third option, at, at best the third option probably. I don't know about that. Um, sometimes that kind of stuff doesn't matter so much if you're talking about just building the best team. But it is something to consider, especially when you take a part B, which is the health, which is how basically I got to bank on how healthy I think Mitchell Robinson is going to be compared to right. Chris Alperzingis. And am I right. willing to pay Chris Alperzingis double what Mitchell Robinson is making now, not knowing if he'll be more healthy than Mitchell Robinson? Right. So it's, it's a tricky thing. I think the Knicks would be – the Knicks will, I think, become a borderline great offensive starting lineup if they put Chris Osparzangas in the starting lineup. I mean, like they, they, they would make it will make teams very difficult to match with them because of Porzingis' ability to stretch the floor. Um, he brings you similar vertical, uh, vertical, uh, you know, alley threat, lob threat player that Mitch Robson already is. So if you add to the starting lineup, the Knicks become, you know, I know they were like the third rated offensive rating team in the nba a lot of that due to the office rebounding i don't think they would really lose much despite not getting any of that office rebounding from that you get from mitch i think that they would still be a really good offensive team uh the question just becomes the health and 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 how reliable can he be given the money i'm paying him the commitment which is why I think those those words bagley uses um long-term deal and significant commitment are the words he keeps using i think that there's something nicks that probably parsed through in-house and they've thought could we bring back Porzingis for just next year and see how it goes and maybe that's not something he's interested in and then they say okay well what does a long-term deal look like and they're looking at those numbers and saying we can't pay that given a his health and, and also be what you may give up because even beyond Mitch I mean what else would would Washington want I mean if you're talking about just Fournier then okay I don't care as much but I mean do they want Obi Toppin do they want Quinn Grimes, or they want any of those guys? Like, those are guys I would not trade for Chris Esposingas either. I'm not packaging them with Mitch. Like, it's me. If I'm trading KP, Mitch is the centerpiece of a deal. You're getting scraps after that. If they're trying to get more young players out of the Knicks, then that's where I think you'd walk away. So, I think that I think I read this report from Bagley and thinking the Knicks have actually they went through this. I think that they've probably explored it. They probably thought they were that they also would make an interesting fit there. I think that's probably why Porzingis was saying what he was saying. These teams, like, this stuff is decided, like, months before things actually happen. It's very rare. It's like the day of a guy says, you know what? I want to go to this team, and then a, a deal gets signed or a trade happens. This stuff that, that that's all in the works. I think this stuff has been in the works. I think KP was talking about that stuff. Nick saw what he was saying. Probably talked to his representatives and said, hey, what would it, how would this work? Probably talked to Washington and say, what would you want? And they've decided that no hard feelings, but I just don't think it's going to work out. And given all of these situations and all the hurdles I, I kind of understand that so a couple things um a lot of people and, and this is something i'm going to harp on dur during these podcasts all summer a lot of people have said the knicks need to improve their three-point shooting um you know they, they, and they're right they, they, let's, yeah. let's make no mistake knicks ranked 15th in three-pointers made one of only two teams in the postseason to average less than 10 made three-pointers per game uh, they ranked 15th out of the 16 teams that that qualified for the playoffs um but also keep in mind, the Knicks ranked third in the NBA in offensive efficiency this past season. Right. Um, 
they were tied with the Sixers, only two teams ahead of them um, in terms of offensive efficiency. They ranked 19th in defensive efficiency. They were, you know, they, they were behind the Charlotte Hornets. Um, they were just ahead of the Orlando Magic. You know, these are not good teams. And this is where the Knicks, yeah. you know, finish the season. Uh, 82 game sample size here um, in terms of defensive efficiency. So um, I think. In, in, in trading away your best interior defender um, is a risky proposition at best. Um, and the other thing in, in, in regards to Mitch's contract, um, really important to point out that he is a dis, dis, uh, like Jalen Brunson um, has a descending value on his contract. Um, so he made 17 million last year, going to make 15.6 in 2023, 24, 14.3 the following season by 2025, 26, um, the final year of his deal, he's going to make $12.9 million. Um, that's a that's mid-level the, exception. <laughs> that's the same level as a mid-level exception for a starting yeah. caliber point guard, best offensive center, rebounder, yeah. uh, center, best offensive rebounder in the NBA. Um, that's a valuable contract. Um, and, and you mentioned twice as much as KP. KP's new contract will be three times as much. Let's assume it right. starts at 30, would be right. 34 or 35 or 38, whatever, you know, depending on, on how they structure it. Um, so would you are you willing to pay three times as much for Porzingis um, when you already have really talented scorers in Brunson and Randall, assuming that, that you're going to keep that as a core. So though, for those reasons, um, I, again, I think the right place and the right time. I like the idea of bringing back KP. I like the idea of him kind of uh, a resurgence in New York. I didn't, I didn't like the way it ended. I don't think anyone liked the way it ended. Um, I thought it was really cool the way he was embraced by the, by, by the Nick fandom. Um, and, and, and everyone really. Yeah. In Washington. Yeah. It was, it was shocking. In some degree. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was really it was it was a remarkable. You had that All Star season look looked like the sky was the limit. Um, so it was unfortunate the way it played out. As we know now, it worked out in the Knicks' favor. Um, but uh, I, I unfortunately just with the way that the, the, the rosters constructed, I just I, I don't see it. I, I see it as a clunky fit. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's why I think uh, you got Ian Bagley there saying that um, it's not a path that they go down at this time. The exact wording from Ian Bagley. So we'll continue to follow. If this KP situation becomes more of a thing, but as of right now, it doesn't sound like that's something that the Knicks are going to explore. Okay, so it is the offseason. And while it's often the time where we talk about players who are not on the Knicks, like we've done for most of this podcast, talking about the finals, talking about Chris Paul and Chris Asporzingis, uh, I want to do a segment where we catch up with some of the Knicks that we have currently on the team as they enjoy this offseason. So first, Jalen Brunson was at Rucker Park or last week representing the Knicks and the NBA Players Association to kick off summer basketball at the hallowed ground. Uh, Brunson said this about playing for the Knicks in his first season in New York. There's no fan base better than the Knicks fan base. And, um, just playing the Madison Square Garden, man, it's, it's electric every single night, and, uh, especially during the playoffs. It's just, it takes us to a whole other level. So um, it's the best place to do it. So there, Brunson calling Madison Square Garden, playing for the Knicks, the best place to be. Meanwhile, Mitchell Robinson's having a good old time this offseason as well. Um, he won Best Interior for his entry into the Atlantic City truck meet that happened this past weekend. He was also seen on video riding a mechanical bull, uh, which was pretty crazy to see a seven-foot-one guy on a mechanical bull. But he seemed to be having a good old time, uh, Mitch being the country boy himself. So congrats to Mitchell Robinson. I know how much he loves his trucks, winning Best Entry. Uh, best, best interior for his entry in the Atlantic City truck meet and hasn't been all just fun and games this summer. Nick's also working on their game. So video shown of RJ Barrett getting working with the likes of Andrew Demhard and uh, Paul Reed 
working out in Orlando. Emmanuel Quickly, who ended his season injured. Remember, he injured his ankle in Miami, uh, uh, in Miami against the Heat. Ironically, he's in Miami, which is where he normally works out. Uh, he, was, he posted a video of him working out, so he seems to be back healthy, I assume, on that front. So first on Brunson, him talking about being uh, New York being the best place to be. Like, I thought this was interesting because the Knicks, for however many years, have been talking about trying to bring other stars. I'm not going to say stars anymore because they have at least – they. Have, I would argue they have two stars now. But they definitely have, a, like I said, a championship cornerstone now in Jalen Brunson. So now the talk's been about adding other stars to the, to the to collection that they have right now. Hearing Brunson talk about the Knicks, do you think that other players will look at Brunson as a guy who could be an effective recruiter to bring guys to New York? Do, will players look at what Brunson did in this postseason and say, you know what, that's a guy I want to play with? I think so, because um, they players know better than anyone, um, you know, better than the media. You know, if you notice, it wasn't current players that Jokic had played against that that saying that Jokic was, uh, you know, <laughs> stat paddock. That is very true. Because they, 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 they represent, you know, they, they, they have no, they're, they're forced to acknowledge because they have to match up against these guys. Um, so yeah, I, I think Brunson showing, um, because the hardest thing to do is, is get over that, that, you know, a lot of teams can make the postseason, but it's another thing to win around. It's another thing to close out tough postseason games. And Brunson showed that he has the ability to do that. Um, and there aren't that many players. Um, and again, it's something we talked about during the next postseason run. Really great players, and this is any sport, um, baseball, football, they, you know, uh, but you, we'll use baseball as an example. They hit the same, you know, they'll they, they, they'll they'll post a similar batting average in the postseason as they do in the regular season. Those are great postseason players because the pitching's yeah. better, the pressure's ratcheted up. Um, so if you can match the stats on the back of your baseball card, you know, look at Jeter's career numbers weren't right. exponentially better during the postseason than the regular season. But the, the fact that they were similar uh, highlighted just right. how good. Jeter was compared to his peers um, when the games mattered most. And that's what we have exactly. in Brunson. Again, um, two players this postseason. Uh, Miami's played the, the Bucks, the Celtics, the Knicks, the Nuggets. Two players averaged more than 30 points per game against Miami. Nicole Jokic and Jalen Brunson. So that's just, just how they, they've shut down everybody. Um, you know, um, so I, again, I say that to say um, Brunson's emergence um, this regular season and then more importantly in the postseason was not lost on important players. And as we talked about um, a couple weeks ago, him being named to the USA team, um, again, he'll get these kind of bona fides. He'll probably make the All-Star team next year, maybe make an All-NBA team, um, which may or may not work in the Knicks' favor. Um, something to keep an eye on as we look two years ahead towards his free agency would mean the Knicks he'd be eligible for the Supermax. Story for another day. Um, but again, yeah. as his kind of, as his, as his, as the national recognition grows, um, uh, that'll play a part but again players know um that if you have a team with Jalen Brunson if you consider yourself a star um that's why I, I you know when we talked about the Embiid situation like any in any other scenario in the past I'd be really hesitant to, to roll the dice on a guy like Embiid you know to give up the farm and pay him a ton of money um for a player like Embiid but when those small relatively small where you have Brunson on this cheap contract so you know you can strike while the iron's hot that type of thing and I, and I think those um you know for that reason um, other players recognize as well that Brunson's the real deal. Yeah, I mean, the NBA can be really clicky at times, and a lot of it can be, you know, uh, your exposure to certain guys and kind of where they are in their careers. I think Jalen Brunson could be seen now as a budding star in this league, maybe a budding superstar 
in this league, given what he did in the postseason, because that is the biggest stage we have in basketball. Like it's part of the reason why Randall being a number one never I thought was ever going to work because he hey, is not that great in the postseason. And that's the most uh, people are going to see uh, from him. You know, it doesn't matter if he's having 25 and 10 in the regular season. People are going to say, okay, what's happening in the postseason? And we've now seen twice him struggle. Like Brunson being the face and the ambassador for what the Knicks are trying to build has a lot more credence because they see this guy as a dog. Like like anybody who watched and paid attention to the postseason, which is everybody who follows basketball, because this is when everybody's paying attention, who maybe not, maybe weren't paying attention to the Knicks as much during the regular season, saw that this guy was not just playing okay. This guy was playing at an even higher level that he was in the regular season. And during the regular season, he was having a great year. So you look at that and say, wow, that the Knicks got really something going with this Jalen Brunson guy. So I think um, the fact that he can speak to the garden being a great place to play, I think is also important. Like, I don't think that Julius Randall also could ever speak about the Knicks fans and MSG and Madison Square Garden being great. Cause I don't think he loves playing there. Um, I think he likes playing for Tom Thibodeau. I think he likes playing, under Leon Rose and World Wide West. I think he likes living in New York, but I we know his relationship with the fans is frosty. Um, some of it on him, a lot, some of it also on some of these idiotic fans who are doing stuff like writing on his name on on you know outside of the garden, or whatever. So I like Brunson being that guy is important because I think that you know he's got carte blanche with the fans. Um, he's embraced Madison Square Garden, he's embraced the city, and he has the uh credentials now, the postseason credentials to stand up and, and speak about what it is to be a Nick and how special it is. And I think that he can be an effective recruiter um, for the Knicks. So I think that that's an important uh, thing for the Knicks to happen this year, that Brunson stepped up the way he did. Yeah, no doubt. He's be, he's emerged as the face of the franchise. Um, and that's really, really important. Um, and I, I, it was J.J. Redick actually on his podcast talked about Jokic is the ideal kind of face of the franchise leader, locker room leader, because he's so unselfish and only cares mm-hmm. about winning and doesn't care. You know, he said, if you want to give it the MVP, give the MVP. I want to win the championship. Um, and some people have knocked him. He doesn't care enough about stuff to right. get yeah. interviews and talk trash on the Internet. You know, like yada, yada, yada. Uh, nah, play, you know, smart front offices, smart coaching staff. We talked about heat culture. Right. The, those, you know, the, you want somebody who, when, when you step in between the lines, plays the right way um and 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 says the right things off the court um you know doesn't uh you know doesn't make headlines for headline sake and and that's what the the knicks have in brunson which is in addition to his um you know skills on the court um is just as important when you talk about a guy that's going to be the face of a of a, a really important franchise in the league so we got rj getting working in orlando we got iq getting working in miami what are some things you want to see guys both of those guys work on coming into uh, this next season with them, RJ in year four, Emmanuel quickly in year three, I believe, or is that four and five hours? Yeah, but Barrett five IQ Barrett five IQ four. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, um, it, it it sounds simple, but RJ just needs to become more efficient shooter. That that's obviously mm-hmm. whether that's tweaking his mechanics to become a more effective three point shooter or getting to spots on the floor that you know he's only taking uncontested threes um, as opposed to four shots. Um, you know, be, becoming a better finisher. Unfortunately, a lot of the same stuff we talked about. 12 months ago that yeah. they would need to work on that we didn't see in the 2022-23 regular season, but then saw for a stretch there when he played by far the best basketball of his career, you know, starting game three of that cab series to game five of that uh, Miami series. Miami, yeah. That was an eight game stretch where he averaged 22, five and three, and I think slashed 49, 38, 
74, some, somewhere in, in those kind of parameters. That And that was the ceiling for R.J. Barrett. Um, so it's, it's really an interesting player. I, I wrote a, a post today about um, a potential trade for O.G. Ananobi um, that would involve R.J. Barrett. And the, the, the response has been outrageously um, about I, I saw. About how I'm an idiot and how RJ's great and you can't give up on a on a player. Meanwhile, you know they're, they're saying RJ does everything better than OG, even though OG's a second team all defensive player. Yeah. Um, but that, that that that's neither here nor there. Um, love Nick's Twitter, but um, they they won't be the first fan base to you know base their reaction solely. How can a guy be valuable? He only averages you know sixteen points. He can't be that right. good. You know? so, whereas RJ averages more, even though when you look at the shot attempts and yada yada yada. Um, but o- RJ can be you. Know, obviously has, has plenty of areas for improvement um basically watch tape of what he did to succeed uh in the postseason but again part of that was due to the fact of game plan scheming um where the where the, the he basically dared him they said we're not gonna beat up we're not gonna um brunson beat us. so you know and rj took advantage stepped in and stepped up as as well he should um so can he continue kind of on that momentum going forward yeah, I mean, I mean, with RJ, it's, it's I echo those sentiments. You know, like I'm watching these clips and it's, I'm, uh, I'm looking to see if Drew Hanlon's anywhere to be found. And I'm not even sure if it's a good thing or a bad thing if, if Drew Hanlon's anywhere to be found because he has been his shooting coach for his entire career, even dating back to Duke, I believe. And we've seen RJ be a very, at best, inconsistent shooter. So, um, and there were no shot jump shots being done in those clips, by the way, also, which was a you know not alarming. Obviously, this is a 10 second clip. But I'm like, all right, I want to see is he improving this shot? Because that to me is the thing that he needs to improve on. And even particularly, because I, I think the you know, I maybe it's a bad assumption, but I assume a lot of guys get up, you know, a certain amount of threes and uncontested threes during their workouts, um, or during the offseason. I really think RJ needs to, like I've said, like I would lock him in a gym with Jimmy Butler and make him just copy and paste Jimmy Butler's game to his game. I think they have similar body types. Um, they have similar strengths. And if RJ could get a mid-range game, a reliable mid-range game, because to me, like, Barrett is not a – he's not a competent shooter with any kind of contest on his shots. So, like, Butler's so great in the mid-range because he can shoot over uh, smaller guys. He can shoot um, contested shots in the mid-range. And to me, Barrett – in the best shooting season he had, which was the second year, he incorporated the mid-range game into his game. It just disappeared since then. So I want to see him get back to that mid-range game. So I think that that will be important. And then for Emmanuel quickly, uh, I, I want to see Emmanuel quickly. I don't know if so much for him it's necessarily something to work on. You know, going to work on everything, but he improved so much. But I think continuing to kind of fill out still, continuing to get stronger. I thought in the playoffs he looked – weak and i don't mean weak as in like a, he's a weak player but i just thought that Cleveland was able to kind of just you know put like a bear guy like harris Laverne on him and kind of just push him around and bully him around and in miami we know how they play kind of same thing put some bigger guys on him bully him around push him around and he just never seemed to get into a rhythm and it was interesting that the thing we saw him doing was strength work was the picture that was posted so i think that may be the biggest thing for him is just continue to work on the body continue to work on the conditioning like he did a great job that last season I think he can continue to get stronger, continue to get bigger, um, and, and be, be ready to face that playoff physicality next go around. I think that he'll be in great shape. Um, and finally, what do you think of uh, Mitchell Robinson's rodeo skills? Again, you got a seven foot one guy riding on a mechanical bull, not something I've ever seen before. What do you rate him out of 10 on the mechanical bull riding for Mitchell Robinson? 
I think it's a, I'd give him a solid. I'll, I'll I'll do this. I'll say his his. Uh, I'll give him the same grade as his free throw percentage this season. So that's, that's uh, <laughs> below fifty, yeah. below five. Let's go with that. Yeah, he wasn't that graceful going down, which you know, <laughs> surprise. Mitchell Robinson not being graceful going down. We see that during basketball games too. Luckily, he's not landing on hardwood. He's landing on obviously a lot of cushioning. But um, but it's good to see Mitchell Robinson enjoying himself. Because uh, he seems like a fun guy, but he seems to also take, like, things very hard. Like, you know, we saw oftentimes, you know, I'm not getting the ball enough, going to Snapchat. So, like, I actually like to see when Mitch is, like, kind of, like, having fun. Because sometimes it seems like a guy who uh, can quickly kind of, like, not fly off the handle, but can quickly kind of get a little angry and let that be known. So, I thought it was good to see Mitch Robinson in that light. And shout out to his truck. I mean, I saw the interior of the truck. It was looking nice. Um, he, he, I, I've. You know, I follow Mitch. I follow all these guys on Knicks, and I've seen his plethora of trucks, and he's got the big wheels on him. And he, I don't know. I guess I'm assuming he's living upstate. I don't know if he's able to get those things over to New York. I mean, he got him to Atlantic City, so I guess he, he probably does have some of them in New York. I've seen him riding them in Louisiana. Um, he, he's a big country boy. There's no doubt about that. So uh, shout out to Mitch Robinson for the best interior award, and shout out to him on the, uh, on the uh, let's say, so-so uh, mechanical bull riding <laughs> efforts there. Yes, uh, but uh, work on your free throws, Mitch. Yes, please. You need to work on. Um, put uh, up on your tippy toes, a uh, little bit of arc on the ball. Um, let's uh, let's. I don't even care if he misses free throws next season. I just want to see as long as the ball has a chance to go in by going above the rim at any point in 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 the, in the shots arc. I'll be happy. I'll, yeah. I'll consider that uh, success. It is wild to watch Nikola Jokic play and see like how many times the ball hits the rim and goes in because of how much of a soft touch he shoots with. Amazing. And then you see Mitchell Robinson shoot free throws, and it's just like I mean, it's like a missile. <laughs> it's like a missile right to the basket. I mean, you think he's gonna break the rim uh if he doesn't get the ball over the rim because of how hard he's shooting the ball. So, yes, Mitch, please definitely work on those free throws as well. That's a good place to leave it, though. So I want to thank you guys for checking out this edition of Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast, Odyssey, WFN original. Of course, you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. Make sure you hit the auto-download feature on your streaming service to get these episodes every time we drop. Also, check us out on YouTube. You can find us on the Odyssey Sports Channel and the WFAN Channel. Make sure you subscribe there. Leave us a comment in your video and under the video. And give us a like as well while you're at it. Tommy, let people know where they can find you. At Tommy Beer on Twitter. And, um, and subscribe to that What's on Tap newsletter for uh, the aforementioned trade discussion. Definitely subscribe to the newsletter. Find me, EJ underscore student on Twitter. Actually, EJ on Instagram and TikTok. Thank you guys again so much for checking this out. Tommy, I'm EJ. Take these guys. Peace.